Section 16 of The Emperor of Portugalia by Selma Lagerlöf, translated by Velma Swanston Howard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Lars Rolander. Section 16. The Emperor's Song. In the wooded heights above Luby, there was still a short stretch of an old country road where in bygone days all teams had to pass, but which was now condemned because it led up and down the worst hills and rocky slopes instead of having the sense to go round them. The part that remained was so steep that no one in driving made use of it any more, though footfarers climbed it occasionally, as it was a good shortcut. The road ran as broad as any of the regular crown highways, and was still covered with fine yellow gravel. In fact, it was smoother now than formerly, being free from wheel-tracks and mud and dust. Along the edge bloomed roadside flowers and shrubs, dogwood, bitter vetch, and buttercups grew there in profusion even to this day but the ditches were filled in, and a whole row of spruce trees had sprung up in them. Young evergreens of uniform height, with branches from the root up, stood pressing against each other as closely as the foliage of a boxwood hedge. Their needles were not dry and hard, but moist and soft, and their tips were all bright with fresh green shoots. The trees sang and played like humming-bees on a fine summer day, when the sun beams down upon them from a clear sky. When Jan of Rufflack walked home from church the Sunday he had appeared there for the first time in his royal regalia, he turned in on the old forest road. It was a warm sunny day, and, as he went up the hill, he heard the music of the spruces so plainly that it astonished him never had spruce trees sung like that it struck him that he ought to find out why they were so loud voiced just to-day and being in no special haste to reach home he dropped down in the middle of the smooth gravel road in the shade of the singing tree laying his stick on the ground he removed his cap and mopped his brow then he sat motionless with his hands clasped and listened the air was quite still, therefore it could hardly have been the wind that had set all these little musical instruments into motion. It was almost as if the spruces played for very joy at being so young and fresh, at being let stand in peace by the abandoned roadside, with the promise of many years of life ahead of them before any human being would come and cut them down. But if such was the case, it did not explain why the trees sang with such gusto just that day. They could rejoice over those particular blessings any pleasant summer day. They did not call for any extra music. Jan sat still in the middle of the road, listening with rapt attention. It was pleasant hearing the hum of the spruce, though it was all on one note with no rest, so that there was neither melody nor rhythm about it. He found it so refreshing and delightful up here on the heights. No wonder the trees felt happy, he mused. The wonder was they sang and played no better than they did. He looked up at their small twigs on which every needle was fine and well made, 
and in its proper place, and drank in the piney odour that came from them. There was no flower of the meadow, no blossom of the grove so fragrant. He noted their half-grown cones, on which the scales were compactly massed for the protection of the seed. These trees, which seemed to understand so well what to do for themselves, ought to be able to sing and play so that one could comprehend what they meant. Yet they kept harping all the while on the same strain. He grew drowsy listening to them, and stretched himself flat on the smooth fine gravel to take a little nap. But hark! What was this? The instant his head touched the ground and his eyes closed, the tree struck up something new. Ah! Now there came rhythm and melody. Then all that other was only a prelude, such as is played at church before the hymn. This was what he had felt the whole time, though he had not wanted to say it even in his mind. The trees also knew what had happened. It was on his account they tuned up so loudly the instant he appeared. And now they sang of him. There was no mistaking it now when they thought him asleep. Perhaps they did not wish him to hear how much they were making of him. And what a song! What a song! He lay all the while with his eyes shut but could hear the better for that. Not a sound was lost to him. And this was music. It was not just the young trees at the edge of the road that made music now, but the whole forest. There were organs and drums and trumpets. There were little thrush flutes and bullfinch pipes. There were gurgling brooks and singing water sprites, tinkling bluebells and thrumming woodpeckers. Never had he heard anything so beautiful, nor listened to music in just this way. It rang in his ear, so that he could never forget it. When the song was finished and the forest grew silent, he sprang to his feet as if startled from a dream. Immediately he began to sing this hymn of the woods so as to fix it forever in his memory. The Empress father for his part feels so happy in his heart. Then came the refrain, which he had not been able to catch word for word, but anyhow he sang it about as it had sounded to him. Austria, Portugal, Metz, Japan, read the newspapers if you can. Boom, 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 and roll, boom, boom. No gun be his but a sword of gold. Now a crown for a cap on his head behold. Austria, Portugal, Metz, Japan, read the newspapers if you can. Boom, 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 and roll, boom, boom. Golden apples are his meat. No more of turnips shall he eat. Austria, Portugal, Metz, Japan, read the newspapers if you can. Boom, 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 and roll, boom, boom. Court ladies clothed in bright array bow as he passes on his way. Austria, Portugal, Metz, Japan, read the newspapers if you can. Boom, 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 and roll. Boom, boom. When the forest proudly treads, all the treetops nod their heads. 
Austria, Portugal, Metz, Japan. Read the newspapers if you can. Boom, 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 and roll. Boom, boom. It was just this boom, boom that had sounded best of all to him. With every boom he struck the ground hard with his stick and made his voice as deep and strong as he could. He sang the song over and over again till the forest fairly rang with it. But then the way in which it had been composed was so out of the common, and the fact that this was the first and only time in his life he had been able to catch and carry a tune was in itself a proof of its merit. THE SEVENTEENTH OF AUGUST The first time Jan of Rufflack had gone to Lövdala on the seventeenth of August, the visit had not passed off as creditably for him as he could have wished, so he had never repeated it, although he had been told that each year it was becoming more lively and festive at the manor. But now that the little girl had come up in the world, it was altogether different with him. He felt that it would be a great disappointment to Lieutenant Liljekrona if so exalted a personage as the Emperor Johannes of Portugalia did not do him the honor of wishing him happiness on his birthday. So he donned his imperial regalia and sallied forth, taking good care not to be among the first arrivals. For him who was an emperor it was the correct thing not to put in an appearance until all the guests had made themselves quite at home, and the festivities were well under way. Upon the occasion of his former visit he had not ventured farther than the orchard and the gravelled walk in front of the house. He had not even gone up to pay his respects to the host, but now he could not think of behaving so discourteously. This time he made straight for the big bower at the left of the porch, where the lieutenant sat with a group of dignitaries from Svartsjö and elsewhere, grasped him by the hand, and wished him many happy returns of the day. "'So you've come out today, Jan,' said the lieutenant in a tone of surprise. To be sure he was not expecting an honour like this, which probably accounted for his so far forgetting himself as to address the emperor by his old name. Jan knew that so genial a man as the lieutenant would have meant no offence by that, therefore he corrected him in all meekness. "'We must make allowances for the lieutenant,' he said, "'since this is his birthday, but by right we should be called Emperor Johannes of Portugalia.' Jan spoke in the gentlest tone possible. But just the same the other gentlemen all laughed at the lieutenant for having made such a bad break. Jan had never intended to cause him humiliation on his birthday, so he promptly dismissed the matter and turned to the others. Raising his cap with an imperial flourish, he said, "'Good day, good day, my worthy generals and bishops and governors.' It was his intention to go round and shake hands with everybody as one is expected to do at a party. Nearest the lieutenant sat a short, stocky man in white cloth jacket, with a gold-trimmed collar and a sword at his side, who, when Jan stepped up to greet him, did not offer his whole hand, but merely held out two fingers. The man's intentions may have been all right, 
but of course a potentate like emperor johannes of portugalia knew he must stand upon his dignity i think you will have to give me your whole hand my good bishop and governor he said very pleasantly for he did not want to disturb the harmony of this great day then mind you the man turned up his nose i have just heard it was not to your liking that lilikrona called you by name he observed and i wonder how you can have the audacity to say du du like the french tu is used only in addressing intimates to me then pointing to three poor little yellow stars that were attached to his coat he roared see these when remarks of this kind were flung at him the emperor johannes thought it high time to lay off his humility he quickly flipped back his coat exhibiting a waistcoat covered with large showy medals of silver and gold he usually kept his coat buttoned over these decorations as they were easily tarnished and crushable besides he knew that people always felt so ill at ease when in the presence of exalted personages and he had no desire to add to their embarrassment by parading his grandeur when there was no occasion for it now however it had to be done look here you he said this is what you ought to show if you want to brag three paltry little stars pooh that's nothing then you had better believe the man showed proper respect the fact that all who knew about the empress and the empire were laughing themselves sick at the major-general must have had its effect also by cracky he ejaculated rising to his feet and bowing if it isn't a real monarch that i have before me your majesty even knows how to respond to a speech that's easy when you know how to meet people retorted the other after that no gentleman in the party was so glad to be allowed to talk to the ruler of portugalia as was this very man who had been so high and mighty at first that he would not present more than two fingers when an emperor had offered him his whole hand it need hardly be said that none of the others seated in the bower refused to accord the emperor a fitting greeting now that the first feeling of surprise and embarrassment had passed and the men were beginning to perceive that he was not a difficult person to get on with emperor though he was they were as eager as everyone else to hear all about the little girl's rise to royal honours and her prospective return to her home parish at last he was on so friendly a footing with them all that he even consented to sing for them the song he had learnt in the forest this was perhaps too great a condescension on his part but since they were all so glad for every word he uttered he could not deny them the pleasure of hearing him sing also and when he raised his voice in song imagine the consternation then his audience was not confined to the group of elderly gentlemen in the bower for immediately the old countesses and the old wives and the old generals who had been sitting on the big sofa in the drawing-room sipping tea and eating bonbons and the young barons and young court ladies who had been dancing in the ballroom all came rushing out to hear him and all eyes were fixed on him which was quite the proper thing as he was an emperor 
the like of that song they had never heard of course and as soon as he had sung it through they wanted him to sing it again he hesitated a good while for one must never be too obliging in such matters but they would not be satisfied until he had yielded to their importunities and this time when he came to the refrain they all joined in and when he got to the boom boom the young barons beat time with their feet and the young court ladies clapped their hands to the measure of the tune but that was a wonderful day as he sang it again and again with so many smartly dressed people chiming in so many pretty young ladies darting him glances of approval so many young swains shouting bravo after every verse he felt as dizzy as if he had been dancing it was as if someone had taken him in their arms and lifted him into the air he did not lose his head though but knew all the while that his feet were still on the earth meantime he had the pleasant sensation of being elevated far above everyone on the one hand he was being borne up by the honour on the other by the glory they bore him away on strong wings and placed him upon an imperial throne far far away amongst the rosy evening clouds there was but one thing wanting think if the great empress his little glory goldie had only been there too instantly this thought flashed upon him a red shimmer passed before his eyes gazing at it more intently he saw that it emanated from a young girl in a red frock who had just come out from the house and was then standing on the porch the young girl was tall and graceful and had a wealth of gold-yellow hair from where he stood he could not see her face but he thought she could be none other than glory goldie then he knew why he had been so blissfully happy that evening it was just a foretoken of the little girl's nearness breaking off in the middle of his song and pushing aside all who stood in his way he ran toward the house when he reached the steps he was obliged to halt his heart thumped so violently it seemed ready to burst but gradually he recovered just enough strength to be able to proceed very slowly he mounted step by step till at last he was on the porch then spreading out his arms he whispered glory goldie instantly the young girl turned round it was not glory goldie a strange woman stood there staring at him in astonishment not a word could he utter but tears sprang to his eyes he could not hold them back now he faced about and staggered down the steps turning his back upon all the merriment and splendour he went on up the driveway the people kept calling for him they wanted him to come back and sing to them again but he heard them not as fast as he could he hurried toward the woods where he could be alone with his grief end of section 16 read by lars rolander